Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And that so many different people yeah. were engaged in it. It was outstanding. Well, someone who had a front row seat to all the action last night was Channel 7 football commentator Adam Peacock. He's been good enough to join us. Adam, welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Uh, good morning. How are you? Oh, how are you? I mean, did you get any sleep <laughs> last night? The adrenaline in that stadium was wild. Oh, a couple of tequilas. Uh, were a <laughs> <laughs> It kind of brought things back down to uh, down to earth. It made me um, get a, a good couple of hours sleep. But that, I woke up this morning and thought that it was one of those moments. And we've all probably been through it with whatever sporting poison we love so much. And you wake up the morning after seeing something so amazing, you go, hang on a minute. <laughs> you take a couple of breaths and you think, did that actually happen? And that's what it felt like about last night. Um, obviously, covering football for a very long time and, and witnessing... It, it almost feels like you're in an alternate universe watching people celebrate on AFL and NRL concourses while games are actually going on and the whole country stopping. I'm getting messages from my daughter's dance at Bedford and they've stopped here at Bedford. Everyone's watching backstage on phones. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a where were you moment, absolutely. Adam, Tom Morris here. Thanks for joining us. I loved your article on Code Sports. I've just read it and it's um, it really paints a great picture about what it was like to be in the stadium. I saw a tweet from Veronica Eggleton last night who said that the uh, Matildas match the decibels of the crowd noise hmm. was 123.8 and the loudest state of origin match at that same venue was 122.2. Can you compare last night's atmosphere to any other sporting event you've been to? And I know you've been to Wimbledon several times as well. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a few. Like one of the loudest ones I heard was at the US Open, actually, when Roger Federer took a set off Novak Djokovic and there was 20,000 people going nuts because no one liked Djokovic. But... This was a this was something else. There was a moment late in the game when Steph Catley came over to take the penalty, and it started in one corner. Everyone just stood up and started roaring, and then the rest of the rest of the stadium did exactly the same. And within 20 seconds, you've got 50,000 people yelling their lungs out, every single one of them, and going absolutely bonkers because they're trying to will this team over the line. It was it was a surreal feeling, and like it was one of those when you know when you. You feel like your, your eardrums are rattling and you're, you're mm. kind of a, yeah, it's, it's distorting your sound. Um, that happened on a couple of occasions when Sam Kerr came on, when we had a couple of chances, and then with that late moment there, and then, of course, when Courtney Vine flooded home that last penalty, it was uh, it was all about the same, the noise. Great win, Adam. How do you uh, assess the performance overall as we look forward to England on Wednesday? Yeah, and that's that's the tricky thing because everyone like everyone's all smiling this morning about the the moment, but there's another one. Like this is the third of potentially five hurdles after they uh, the little mishap against Nigeria. The the Canada game felt like a well, it was a must win, and then obviously the knockout stage has become must win. And, and this <laughs> this third stage was like just such an emotional high. So yeah, they'll have to. I'm sure the coaching staff look. Firstly, the players who. He hasn't used a lot of subs, Tony Gustafsson. I don't think they'll train 
a proper session before Wednesday. They'll, they'll do a lot of light running and maybe a bit of technical work, but a lot of recovery and ice baths are going to be the thing or whatever they do these days. So um, I think the, the performance was actually really good. I, I actually rated the performance because France were a very good opponent. So it was to negotiate that was, was well done. And it wasn't as if they batted us or we batted them. It was dead even. I think late in the game, it was 16 uh, shots at goal apiece. Um, whether or not they're on target or not. So on another day, Mary Fowler scored three. So I think the performance was pretty good, but there's, there's things to worry about in terms of physical output so far. Adam, we've uh, been an AFL show. We've got an AFL listener. So I reckon we'll have a lot of Matilda's supporters, perhaps not uh, expert soccer or football uh, followers. Yep. How, how do we look going into this game against England? How have they gone in their games, history and so forth? How does this game shape up for the Matildas and their chances? From what I've seen of England so far, pretty well. Um, it's evenly matched. Like last night, we're just still getting our head around the fact that we're, we are a match for every team in the world when it comes to football. Um, this, is a, this is an outstanding group of players. It is, it's not a golden generation, it's a platinum generation. So mm. it... it any team we come up against, we've got as much threat as they do. It's not this subservient thought like we have in football occasionally. Oh, the rest of the world are good at it and we're just along for the ride. It, that's not the case here. That Every nation left in this in this wonderful World Cup, there's Spain, Sweden on the other side of the ditch, they play the semi on Tuesday or England. They recognise Australia as a, as a world, world-class team and getting better all the time as this World Cup goes on because Sam Kerr's getting up to speed. So, yeah, it's England, the match-up, we beat them in April over there, and it was a counter-attacking based win. Um, two two goals off, off counter-attack, blistering counter-attacks. We can hurt them in that regard. And England don't look fluid in an attacking sense. They're hard to break down, but they don't look particularly fluid. So the matchup's pretty good. We're speaking to Channel Seven football commentator Adam Peacock. Adam, one of the household names throughout this tournament has been Mary Fowler. I mean, even in my house, my husband went for a run the other day and he was so cold, he put gloves on. And he said to me, look, I'm like Mary Fowler. So that's the impact that these women are are having on this country. Just what kind of talent is Mary Fowler? And is it a stretch to say that perhaps she will be our best player? You know, you know it's really taking effect if he goes for a run with a Hayley Rasto. Really, that, really He's really bald, <laughs> so that would be unusual. <laughs> well, around his head. I can appreciate that sentiment as well. All purging on it. Um, with um, Mary Fowler, yes, yeah, she's a special talent. She's a generational talent in terms of, yeah, even sort of last night, she didn't have the easiest time of it because France had a really good plan for her. And I, I didn't like the way that we used her in the first half in, in pushing her out wide to try and get her on the ball. Um, but she still had this ability to get on the ball and bring other players into play. Um, she's the type of player who can break a game open by herself or assist someone else to do just that. And, yeah, I, I don't know where she lands, where she ends, but the potential you can't put a ceiling on in terms of what she'll end up being. Like, she's 20. Mm. Like, in her peak's not to be meant to be not the next World Cup, but the one after. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she's an amazing talent and one we'll enjoy watching for uh, over a decade to come. And I loved her penalty as well. Hard in the bottom left. So the, much poise and goal, power. The goalkeeper had absolutely no chance. Adam, if we can take a step back. Right Sorry, go on. Oh, and a right foot. I thought she was left-footed. <laughs> <laughs> Ambidextrous. Hey, um, if we can take a, take a step back for a second. Uh, I hope I'm not being swept up in it too much, but I feel like 
we are two wins away from this generation's Kathy Freeman moment. Do you have that same sentiment? Yeah. Yeah, well, I got a lot of messages um, last night and a couple from people inside the camp, and they were saying that the, the, the feeling before it, and they had Kathy in down in Melbourne um, in to, to see them and talk to them and greet them and, and, and welcome Kathy, obviously, that uh, they, the group wanted a Kathy Freeman moment at some stage during this tournament, and... It, the feeling out of last night was that might have been it. <laughs> now, I hope it wasn't it. I hope they're not regarding that as the Kathy Freeman moment. Hopefully just the semi-final win, if you know what I mean, of Kathy before stepping out in the 400 final in 2000. But, yeah, it, it, it felt that big last night. And, and that's why this is different. And that's why it, it's hard to, to frame. It's, it's hard to put next to something else and compare because... It is so unusual. It, it, it is so unique, I should say. Not unusual, unique. So it, it is likened to the Cathy Freeman um, storyline. And that's what we like to do in the media is kind of try and pin it to yeah. something that we've seen before. But I'm really struggling to even compare it to that. It, it, it does feel like it when you're inside the stadium that this is once in a, yeah, we'll, we'll forever talk about this like we with Cathy's. Cathy's win, so I guess that's the comparison if there is one to make. Will Sam Kerr start against England? I think she will. I think she looked really good last night, I, I, like physically. Like her touch was a bit off, but she's a bit rusty. But I, she worried the living bejesus out of uh, the French defenders. And even even though it didn't look like she did, didn't do much, I was watching her runs off the ball. She was just making, making life completely uncomfortable for them. So if she gets through physically, um, spoke to her after, she felt fine. She, she didn't she was pretty tired, which is fair enough. She hasn't played that high-intensity football 70 minutes worth in a very long time. I, I, I think she starts this time. I think she's ready. Penalty shootouts, Adam, are just full of drama. And last night we saw the longest ever penalty shootout <laughs> at a World Cup. I rewatched it this morning. It went for 20 minutes. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Diabolical. Yeah. It was diabolical watching. Like just the, the, It just sent your guts <laughs> twisting and turning and nails. Yeah, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. What does it say about the mental resilience and fortitude of Mackenzie Arnold, who had the opportunity to win the match, she misses, and she has to go back then and, and keep saving penalties? Yeah, and then she saves one, and then she gets told, no, that was illegal. So you have yeah. to do it again, and then it goes in. It, it's the ultimate live-in-the-moment um, situation for a keeper. And keeper keepers are unique specimens, Um I sat next to one for a very long time at Fox Sports in Mark Bosnich. So, um, <laughs> you need to say the um, least, Adam. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but they think differently. They, they they react differently. That's what makes them. That's what made Bozza the player he was, uh, and that's what made Mackenzie Arnold's moment. It's just you completely wipe away what just happened. Um, hard to do, and it, because there's so much thinking time in between. It's not like um, a footy player who you know misses a set shot right in front and then has to kind of think about it for the next two minutes. No, the game goes on. You've got your job. You've got your responsibilities. You're back into it. But, yeah, the, the Mackenzie Arnold, how she was able to to um, to get that around her head and, and, and stay in the moment was quite incredible. Adam, we can't mention Mackenzie Arnold without mentioning Courtney Vine mm. and her ability to step up to the plate, having had opportunities to close out the game with that added pressure and the build-up and being able to nail it. Yeah, and you, you're number 10 and 11 for a reason as well. Yeah. Um, it's because either you're not confident or the coach is not confident that you're, you're one of the better ones to take one. And, and she, she played it really well. You have a look at her, her body language. She just 
like really focused on the process of what she had to do. She didn't, her eyes didn't divert anywhere. She looked at the back of the ball. She looked at the, the, the goal quickly. She, and then she went back to the back of the ball and just concentrated. And it wasn't a spectacular penalty. It was more a pass into the net. She didn't try to blast it, but it was perfectly done, perfectly managed by her own mind. I'm going to ask a silly question, Adam. How do they determine the order? Is it is it something that they would have done at training where they have a competition? Is it just general feel on who are the players that strike and general ball use? How is that figured out? I, I get the feeling last night it was figured out by the coaching staff because Mackenzie Arnold got told she was number five. Not, mm. oh, Mackenzie, do you want to be number five? So yeah. that, that's a bit of a difference. But usually you'll have five or six that'll say, yes, I want to take one. And then you'll have a couple kind of pretend to walk off and try and find a drink bottle that isn't there about 50 metres away because they've got <laughs> no no inclination whatsoever to put their hand up. So, yeah, I, I, the coaching staff would, would do it and they would have practised it through the week. Um, Tony Gustafsson's big about detail. So, yeah, he would have had a, a fair idea what his order was. And, yeah, they, they went up and, and did what they did. And the French swapping their keeper, is that that they would feel the keeper is better at defending penalties or perhaps a, f- a fatigue issue with the original keeper? How would that have been determined? No, that's definitely down to uh, the, the, the keeper best to save penalties. It wouldn't matter because the, the French keeper had a pretty good game. So mm. she would have felt confident about doing what she needed to do. But they've obviously seen something in training where the keeper that came on is much more adept at, um, at saving uh, penalties. Because some keepers are, are great in in the game with their feet, distribution, um, organisation from set pieces, and shot stopping. They're the main factors of a goalkeeper. Some keepers are better shot stoppers than others, and obviously you swap them out. Andrew Redmayne, perfect example. Mm. They, they did a Redmayne only this time it didn't come off. Yeah, absolutely. And probably good for us it didn't come off as well. And the French <laughs> keeper was fired up when she got subbed off as well. Adam. Um, this is going to have a huge effect on Australian football in the short term. Probably hard to quantify exactly what effect it's going to have in 10 or 15 or 20 years. But give us an insight into what you think will happen down the track. Oh, it, it, it means that these players are forever recognisable. Um, and that's great for Australian football. Like it, it really started to hit the heights in the mid-2000s when we had that generation of men's players. And, you know, you, you, could, you could plonk Harry Kuehl in the middle of Fed Square and everyone would know who he is. Um, you know that that kind of recognition of the game. That yes, you're a footballer, and yes, like um, you're very good at it. And you know it, it, it carries the sport in that way. And it's only I'm like I love the A leagues and everything like that. But the, the national teams are the only things that can really do this. Like the unification of an entire country is pretty hard to do. Uh, politics fails miserably at it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fail, but it's it's hard to draw people in. Like you know, you, you've got we've got our favourite musicians, but I can guarantee you, all four of us would have our different favourite four Australian musicians. But then you put an, a team of Australians together in one shirt, playing the biggest sport of all, or going to an Olympics, and that that's the thing that kind of binds us all together and has these where were you moments. So I think importantly for the game, um, if if football Australia aren't in a room this week or next figuring out what the next four or five years looks like so that there's accessibility to these players, to the Australian public, with their own eyes. And I'm talking you play six Matildas games a year here in Australia. It's hard to do because all the players are overseas. 
that's got to be the priority because you've mm. got to stay, stay front and centre and somewhat um, in touch with the people that are going to carry your sport because then that filters down to... And I've been to junior soccer games a lot and you get there and people are talking about, oh, Manly Para that afternoon or yeah. down in Melbourne they'll be talking about Carlton Collingwood that afternoon. They're not talking about, oh, there's an A-League game this afternoon or, oh, did you see that last night from so-and-so overseas? Whatever. It's, it's fractured and... This is what Football Australia really got to get get ahead of the game with. About yes, it's great legacy, but true legacy comes week in week out by keeping an attachment with these players and famous faces that people want to want to know more and, and and stay connected with them. You speak about the unification at the MCG last night. People in Carlton scarves Amazing and Melbourne scenes. scarves all celebrating together, watching the soccer. I was watching the Matildas. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, one last question for me. You, in your Code Sports article, you wrote about the Australian goalkeeping coach. Can you give us uh, an insight into the connection between yeah. last night and also what happened, what, 17 years ago? Yeah, Tony Franken, he was the goalkeeper coach for the Socceroos uh, oh. in 2005 with Mark Schwarzer. And oh. um, Mark Schwarzer, Delco Callas, all that. And, yeah, he was with the Socceroos during the Gossetting era. And he was brought back on board oh, not that long ago with the Matildas to kind of help them out. And he's... Um, he knows a lot, uh, talking to Mark Schwarzer, about what Tony Franken is as a coach. And he's, he's top shelf, and, yeah, you can see it. Mackenzie Arnold, she's gone to another level. She's had a good coach at a club in West Ham to, to propel her, and look at what she did, did last night. And then, um, yeah, what she did for Schwarzer and, and the guys, uh, what he did for Schwarzer and the guys back in 05, it's, it's very similar. So, Adam, our immediate focus when it comes to the Matildas is England on Wednesday at 8pm. But what about the other side of the draw, Spain and Sweden? How are they stacking up? Spain are excellent. They're a high-possession team, tiki-taka, a lot of passes, um, hard to contain with their movement and, and ball movement. So they'll be tough, especially if we're... If you say we make the final, we play Spain, and we're running on our kneecaps physically. That's, that's going to be a, a really tough ask. Sweden are a bit different. They're, they're very rigid in terms of defensive setup, hard to break down, and they had a really good tactical plan to, to nullify Japan in their quarterfinal, and they'll have something similar for Spain. So either way you look at it, there's, there's, there's two different styles coming our way if we make the final. If, big if, no offence, England. But, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it, it's like diametrically opposed in terms of style, but... Um, in terms of, of talent and imposing threats, yeah, they're, they're both right up there. Adam, the whole country is being swept up in Matilda mania. Thank you so much for joining us and hopefully you don't need too many tequilas on Wednesday night and we get-